Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, episode 100 of the Canberra Football Show. Uh, we got there in the end, reviewing everything, everything from the grand finals. And we kick things off with the way it started 100 episodes ago. Russ and Michael are joining me. Michael, 100 episodes. Who thought we'd get there? Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy journey, to say the least, mate. You touched on it there. It was us three uh, doing our first ever episode for the show. And now we're here for number 100. So it just goes to show just how much work has gone into the podcast over the past sort of four years. And there's been ups and downs sort of throughout the way with having to deal with COVID uh, impacted seasons and whatnot. But in saying all that, it's been a fantastic journey and I'm so glad we've been able to reach a hundred episodes, Matt. And it makes it good that we're able to share uh, this milestone uh, with uh, someone like Russ that has helped us out uh, a great deal sort of over the years. So Russ, thank you very much uh, for joining us for our 100th episode. It's such a big milestone uh, for us. Uh, I guess Russ, just quickly before we get into it, uh, 100 episodes uh, mm. for the show. You were here for the first one. Now you're here for the 100th. Uh, bit of a journey hasn't it yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like four years ago does it it feels it, it feels no. a bit a bit sooner than that but yeah it's a credit to you guys that you've been able to keep this ticking over um i know i've been a bit absent myself over the last few weeks or so or months or so because i've been a bit bit too busy floating around doing things and uh life getting in the way but it's great to be here for the hundredth one as well and look fair play to you guys and credit i've seen a lot of these things over the years um kick off and people lose interest after a while and uh, it doesn't go anywhere near what they think it's going to go. I remember having the conversation with you guys um, when you were thinking about kicking it off way back when um, and talking about how you should focus on the local football scene and how you'd be able to pick up a really good following of people if you did that. And you've done just that and more. And it's an absolute credit that you're still going and, and that people are still interested enough, you know, on our local game to tune in and listen to it and, and to talk about it. And I know it raises conversations around the place as well. And it's good. I get messages about the show quite a lot and uh, you guys are doing really well. Absolute pleasure to be here for the hundredth episode, which conveniently comes off the back of an exceptional weekend. Yeah, it does. Uh, Matt, uh, I guess before we sort of kick it off properly, uh, sort of want to get your sort of thoughts on, you know, the fact that we've gone uh, on this Fantastic journey uh, together uh, and we've reached 100 episodes. I guess what are your sort of thoughts and, and feelings uh, as it started to really kick in with the last couple of episodes that we had done, the fact that the 100 was edging closer and closer and now we're here. Yeah, look, I don't want to harp on about it too much. We've probably already done enough of that. But uh, yeah, no, look, it's uh, awesome to see four years. Um, obviously, it all kicked off with what, a conversation in uni meeting Russ at that same uni as well, and then making Russ's coffees. And that's essentially how that uh, got all kicked off. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's been a really good journey. And just want to thank everyone that's been involved, Russ, Jeremy, and uh, Webby primarily, and uh, Matty Moore as well was a big part of it also. And then everyone else, all the coaches and players and peep and execs that have sent, you know, clips, especially from CPL, because obviously it's very tough to follow that league. So especially shout out to all those people who have, helped us out with all the information that we can get. So we greatly appreciate it. So uh, Michael, let's... Michael plays cricket. He can, he can yeah, raise the bat. Raise the bat. <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, uh, let's get let's get uh, kicked into the show. We MPL and the MPL final. Uh, before I kick it to you, Michael, I just want to say, uh, after being at the match, what a fantastic atmosphere. You two are going to touch on that, but I just wanted to chime in with that. Fantastic atmosphere. It had to at least be 2,000 people at least there on the weekend, probably even more. Uh, the drums were out. The uh, the the cheering was out. The the ruckus was out. Even a couple of flares made its appearance as well. It, it was all going on. It was absolutely packed. Literally only standing room left. The entire gates all around were there. What an atmosphere to be a part of. And um, yeah, as we expected, the Croatia Derby will be. So Michael, take us into it. Uh, how did the Croatia Derby play out? It was a 
fantastic spectacle for Canberra football on the weekend. Like you touched on, Matt, a lot of people in attendance for this one and uh, just the overall feel and atmosphere of the crowd was absolutely sensational uh, in this game being played out between, as we know, the Croatian derby between O'Connor Knights and Canberra, Croatia in this one. It was 1-1 at the end of 90 minutes and after extra time, it w- then went to penalties where Canberra, Croatia were victorious on this occasion, 6-5 on penalties. So we'll begin with the first half. Matt and Russ, uh, it was O'Connor who opened the scoring in the Croatian derby in the 17th minute when Pasluk, uh was found on the end of an overlapping run uh, by Ihegi to score past Sam Brown at the near post. And that obviously gave the Knights the perfect start to this contest, scoring in the opening 20 minutes of the game. But as Canberra Croatia do so brilliantly well, you know, having gone through a minor setback to begin this game, they didn't drop their heads and they got back into the contest 17 minutes later in the 34th minute. And it was Ahmed Shaibu who popped up yet again when Canberra Croatia needed him most to make it 1-1. And that was his 16th goal of this campaign. So it's been a great individual campaign from Ahmed Shaibu as he was found by a brilliant uh, ball by Daniel Cobaltaldo from the left flank. So a quality finish for Ahmed Shaibu to get Canberra Croatia on level terms with the Knights. And that was the scoreline heading into the break. So the two goals there. And then as we move into the second half, Ahmed Shaibu, he came really close to giving Croatia the lead uh, when he was denied uh, by the post. And then he was denied on another occasion by Iran's in the Knights goal. So he went on to win uh, the Valeri medal for player uh, of the match with that uh, performance, you know, which translated to three top class uh, saves uh, from what we saw in the second uh, period of that game. And it really helped the Knights overcome some really pressure moments and then we saw uh, Cal Bataldo saw a fierce drive pushed over the bar and Argentine forward uh, Frank Greco had a glorious uh, chance to win it late on, scampering clear of the O'Connor defence, but seeing his effort blocked by Arans. So again, it was well done by the keeper. And it, it was, you know, far from one-way traffic with the Knights, you know, themselves having some more than presentable openings, you know, even before the match entered uh, the extra sort of half an hour, you know, Heggy was uh, by Sam Brown. And uh, the rebound from that effort uh, from Pekemanda was blocked. One second, Michael, you're just uh, cutting out, mate. We've lost Michael. Uh, yeah, we've uh, Of course, of all days, this is the one that happens. Michael. He's frozen. I've cut out. Oh, there he is. All right, you cut out, mate. Yeah, I just yeah, I just noticed. Sorry about that. Just, was like, oh. uh, I think it was one all. <laughs> uh, you already mentioned the Greco bit, so I think you actually you mentioned far from one way traffic. I think you were up to Sam Brown diving at his feet, um, rebound. So probably to start from there, it was far from one way traffic yep. line. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was far from one-way traffic with the Knights themselves having more than a few presentable openings before the match entered the extra half an hour of play. You know, Heggy was uh, foiled by Sam Brown diving at his feet and then the rebound went to Piketty Manda, which was blocked. 
And then Michael Piccolo made a stunning uh, recovery uh, tackle to foil Michael Adams. So with nothing being able to separate either of these two teams after 120 minutes of play, it meant that we would go to a penalty shootout. So after Stephen Dominici and Ron Kier had scored uh, for Croatia, Pat O'Rourke replied uh, with his strike and then Tyson Livermore sent his spot kick wide of the post. It was then Keegan Vucic uh, struck the underside of the crossbar with Croatia's fourth attempt after successful conversions from Ahmed Shaibu for Croatia and Lachlan Fields and James Driscoll for the O'Connor Knights. And that set up a sudden death scenario as Daniel Subasic, Ihegi, substitute Noah Vanderpool and Kresic all netted. Spaseski was up next and he confidently dispatched his ball home and it was then left for Sam Brown to be the man of the moment and secure the grand final for Canberra Croatia as they have as they've done sorry so many times over the years in MPL football claiming the grand final trophy just what a game of football between these two teams like i mentioned at the top it just had absolutely everything you couldn't really differentiate you know either side by a landslide because it was that tightly contested and hence why it went all the way to a penalty shootout both teams entered this game really wanting to win and you could sense that from from the first whistle until the end of the penalty shootout and it was Canberra Croatia that came out on top. What a game. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that. I said in the broadcast in the pre-match um, that I was excited like a kid in a candy shop. Couldn't wait for the game to kick off and the atmosphere built throughout the afternoon. You could feel it. The tension was there from moment one. Um, as you mentioned at the top of the um, top of the show that there was no room left in the, in the stadium near enough. The only spots that were free were the bleachers underneath where we were in the commentary area because they're behind the dugouts and you can't really see. And there were still some young kids stood there as well, peering over the top. Every seat taken on the far side, the bleachers packed either side of us, standing room only behind the goals and on the sides where you can stand. They were packed three or four deep there. It was, it was an amazing occasion. Um, the match lived up to it as well. We knew beforehand that we had two sides that were really evenly matched across the park. I mean, I don't know if you read the pre-match preview that I put up on the Capital Football website, but you couldn't really pick um, anybody uh, where there was a weakness in either team. The duels throughout were, were, were incredible. Both sets of central defenders, both marauding fullbacks, um, all got up and down the park as we expected them to. The midfield duels, what we thought it would be. The strikers had their say as well. It's perhaps fitting that Harrison Palic scored the opening goal. Um, his run down that that right flank after the ball was won in midfield and a lovely weighted ball for my sister Heggie to put him in. Um, Sam Brown would have been a little bit disappointed he didn't keep that out. It squeezed under his body at the near post and trickled into the far post. But of course, he redeemed himself later uh, tenfold against the same player. Uh, I, I loved the ball in from Colt Potato for the equaliser from Lukman Ahmed Shaibu. Um, I interviewed Lukman after the game and honestly, he could have had a hat-trick on another day. He scooped one over uh, from close range early on. He hit the post in the second half as well and he was denied by Seberans on a third occasion. Michael mentioned the chances that Seberans stood strong with, particularly Frank Greco's couple of minutes from, from full-time. I thought that was going to be the winner and Seberans, uh, you know, what a fantastic save that was. Of course, the penalty shootout is a lottery, isn't it? It could go either way and, and whoever keeps their nerve. What we did know was that every single one of those players on the park is good enough to take a penalty. Um, and Harrison Palic was the full guy he missed. He wasn't the only one, of course, but his is the one people will remember because Sam Brown saved it and that made uh, Crabber Crash the winners. But much as that kick of a football doesn't define Harrison Palic's season, which was absolutely outstanding, losing that grand final on penalties doesn't define the O'Connor Knights season. I interviewed Sam Brown afterwards as well, and he said exactly what we all thinking were they were the best team all year. They won the league by 15 points. They were they were by far the best side. The fact they've lost a grand final shouldn't really matter to them. It will, because it'll sting and it'll hurt, and you losing to your neighbours is always always hard. You want to win grand finals, that's why you're there. But when they look back on this season and 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 the the wounds heal from that from that defeat, again, it's it uh, on the record books, it goes down as a draw. They're still unbeaten in, what, 16 games or whatever it is now. But their season has been immaculate. It's been wonderful to watch. 
Um, Miro and Alex Trinic there and, and their support staff in Davin Mehmet and Nick Tyver, they've been superb. Um, they thoroughly deserve every success they get. And that group of players will come back better for this. They've got a lot to do next year to live up to the, to the expectations they put out the Knights, but I think they can do it. For Canberra, Croatia, we've been saying for a long, long, long time now, even when they were sitting sixth and it was looking unlikely that they might make it, if they get in the top four, nobody wants to play them because they've got quality around that side. They've got firepower around that side. They've got players in every position, two or three deep sometimes. They're worthy, worthy grand final winners. And on the day, they were they were just about edged it, I think. Um, to come from fourth, it's not the first time we saw it. We saw, we've seen teams do it before. We saw Monero Panthers come from third, winning the elimination, um, the, the preliminary and the grand final. It's it's an incredible feat. And you know what? These two will meet again in the Charity Shield and we'll do it all again next year. Um, absolutely amazing season from start to finish. You guys uh, shared it with us and Matt on commentary with me on occasions. I described it as glorious chaos. I think that's what I'm going for the title of the review this year uh, because it was that from start to finish. Goals are plenty, major talking points and uh, just a simply wonderful end to the season with a grand final in front of a capacity crowd. You uh, wrapped that up very, very well there. Ross, I echo all those sentiments there, especially about everything you said, not defining those players um, and the season as well for those teams. Let's. Uh, I just want some quick thoughts before you uh, head off. Firstly, we've mentioned throughout the season, Wanderers are, of course, relegated to the CPL. How do you think they'll fare next season? They've already announced new coach Bernie Toe as well. So what are your thoughts on the Wanderers for next season? Yeah, it's going to be hard for them, isn't it? That CPL is an incredibly tough competition. I spoke to Goran Jozovowski after the CPL grand final I commentated on on the weekend. They lost to Ugali, finished second in the division. Their primary aim, like anyone in that division, is to get up into the Premier League. And they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. You look at the other teams that are in and around there as well. ANU, they won the under-23s grand final on the weekend. They've got some cracking players in that team. Walker City Wanderers need to start better. So do Brindabella Blues. But again, tough size. These are all sides that, um, that the Wanderers have got to play next year. And Belconning United as well in that mix. It's not going to be easy for them at all. Uh, they've gone down with no points. You look at that squad and think, well, there's some talent there. Whether they'll be able to keep it is a different story. CPL is a notoriously tough battleground to get out of. We've seen Tuggeron United do it the first attempt and everyone thought, well, maybe it's not too difficult. But Conan found out how hard it is. Ugali, um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing them next year. That's a different story. But I think for the Wanderers, it's a big, big summer coming up. Bernie Toe's got a big job on his hands to keep the players he wants to keep at that football club, to attract players in there. I still maintain that to get out of that division, you have to have young, fit, athletic players that can go for a full 90 minutes for a full course of the season. If you can do that, you can overrun sides in that division because some of the players are, are at the tail end of their career, good footballers, um, but perhaps not as fit and physical as they used to be. And we've seen that in a few teams. Um, O'Connor did that when they came up. They were fit fit and, and stronger than other sides. Tuggerong United, much the same as well. And Ugali looked super fit on the weekend. Um, all their players massively trim and huge. I don't know what they feed them in the Riverina with them and Walker. Um, but for West Canberra Wanderers, like I say, massive summer coming up. Early indications for me are that I think they will struggle to come straight back up because they've got to start again. And you know what it's like when teams go down. A lot will leave and a lot will come through. I wish them well, um, but I think that's a big challenge for them. And the team that are replacing them in NPL, of course, you mentioned there, Ugali won the grand final. Uh, what do you make of Ugali being in the seat in the NPL next season? Of course, a big one for them is if they can if they can travel well and keep the same numbers like they have this season. There's no reason why they can't uh, push some of the top sides. And let's not forget uh, Luke Santolin's words to me: they're not here to make up the numbers. I was just about to say exactly that, and they won't do that because they've got such a much a better squad than than simply to just be there to be part of it. They're incredibly excited that they're going to be part of it. They've, I mean, taken an MPL to the River Arena. Uh, they want to be playing the, the big boys. They want Canberra Croatia down there at Solomad. They want O'Connor Knights down there at Solomad. They want to welcome the Panthers, the Tigers, everybody else. Um, it's a wonderful venue to go to. Um, first thoughts are it's going to be a bit more travelling for ourselves. Um, to get down to Griffith on a few occasions uh, 
and and do some games down there. But it's always very welcome and hospitable in Griffith. If you haven't been, it's a good occasion to go down. We'll all go down at some stage. We'll make it. We'll make a day of it and uh, have a look. I, I actually think they're going to do okay if they can keep that squad. I called the game with Mitch Stevens on the weekend, and we were looking around that eleven. Um, that they put out on the on the park, plus the five on the bench, the young boys that came on, and you're thinking, oh, I'd like him for my team. You know, you look at people like Isaac Donadell in the middle of the park, just knocking the ball around. Robert Rimmer alongside him, perpetual energy. Joe Priest, outstanding, scored two good goals. Uh, will score goals in any team. The defensive pairing, Samuel Rossiti was outstanding. Michael De Paoli is a very good goalkeeper. There's players all around that group that if you if they were in Canberra. Um, I would be worrying for Luke Santolin and Darren Bailey, who I didn't mention, uh, who's had an excellent season and scored 18 goals or whatever it was. If they're in Canberra, there'll be people trying to cherry pick that side, wouldn't they? Let's be honest. Their, their advantage is that they're in Griffith. Their home form is phenomenal um, because it's very hard to go there and get a result. What they will find this year, though, is that the teams that do go down to play them will be a little bit more, in inverted commas, professional than the sides that they've been playing this year. They'll be a little bit better technique-wise, of course they will, they're Premier League sides, um, they'll be a little bit more prepared than perhaps some of the sides that visit them this year. But um, we saw Tuggeron go down there in the Cup and get knocked over. We've seen uh, Ugali come up to, to Canberra in the Cup and beat sides, and it's only a couple of years ago they got to the semi-finals and lost 1-0 to a very late Tigers goal in a game they could have won. I think they're going to be a breath of fresh air to this division and um, congratulations to Sante Domadel, um, Luke Santolin, Darren Bailey and everybody connected with that football club and I can't wait to see them take the field uh, in MPL for the first time next year and it's going to be a, a bit of a journey for them as well. It certainly will be. Uh, now, Russ, to wrap things up, what are your main takeaways from the season? Uh, obviously, glorious chaos. Glorious chaos. Absolutely loved it. Um, I was counting up the other day because I've been keeping a list and the game on the weekend for me was the 121st match that I've done since January the 27th across numerous competitions, including obviously the FIFA Women's World Cup, where I was super lucky to call some amazing games, including the uh, Australia-England semi and the World Cup final as well, which is a huge experience. Um, locally, though, it, you know, for the first kick of the ball from the first game of the season, it's just been so unpredictable. Um, there was games we saw the top six in the MPL, anybody could beat anybody on their day. We weren't sure. Every time we came on this show, every time we spoke off this show, you know, in, in if we were at the game or wherever we were, or just text messages, you just didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know who was going to win. Um, even the bottom two, there was an element of jeopardy there for a while. And they were very competitive, those two sides. Uh, Wanderers, we mentioned, could have beaten Tigers. Tuggerong did take four points off of Canberra Olympic, which potentially stopped them winning the league. Um it was great from the first kick of the ball. And I want more of it next year. We want the clubs, all of them, to be competitive. We want the team that's sitting in eighth playing, the team that's playing in first, and that hint of jeopardy going, is it what's going to happen here? And and I think we got that this year. And I, I think you could have made a case for every single one of that top six to say they could have won the league and they could have won the grand final. In the end, the table doesn't lie, does it? Doesn't always tell you the 100% of the truth doesn't tell you the story how you get there. You can read that, actually, in the end of season review, which will be out sometime in November when I get round to finishing it. But amazing season. One of my favourites that I've seen since I've been here due to the unpredictability of it all. Um, and as I said, glorious chaos, goal after goal. How many of them in stoppage time? Late drama. You thought a game was done. It wasn't. You thought a team had equalised only to lose it with the last kick. It was amazing. And one of the best seasons we've seen in Canberra in terms of, of that. Um, it'll take some topping next year. Russ, as always, thank you so much. And uh, I know it's only a little bit of a break, but enjoy your break. Yeah, got a little bit of a break. Um, not too long, though. Capital Football League comes up soon and uh, Women's um, Liberty A-League. I'll be doing some stuff, hopefully, again, for Paramount Plus and Channel 10 just in conversations with them at the moment. So I get a bit of a break, but all eyes are turning towards the Liberty A-League where, where we're sat and hopefully the CFL gets back off the ground and we can we can do some stuff about that. But I just want to reiterate before I do go again, guys, that your longevity here is a, is a, uh, is a testament to you two um, and your dedication to football in this region and to the local game. Uh, it would have been very easy, especially during the COVID times, um, for you guys to just pack it up and go, it's too hard. Um, especially now you guys are getting a little bit older and having left university and you're getting a little bit more responsibility in terms of your work. 
and in terms of hours and you know how hard it is to 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 give yourself the the time and the dedication to do this every week and it, you should be able to pat yourself on the back and be very proud of what you've achieved thank you so much Ross greatly appreciate it thank you guys Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our MPLW segment. Returning to the show is Jeremy McGahn for episode 100. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, at the top of the broadcast, thank you so much for your contribution uh, in our run to 100. Episode 100, it's amazing. Congratulations, Matt. Congratulations, Michael, uh, when you're listening as well. Uh, exceptional work, boys. It's uh, it's, it's great. And, uh, and thank you for having me for that uh, hundreds. And what a, what a time to do a 100th podcast after the weekend that we had. Yeah, I timed it. Uh, I timed it decently well, didn't I? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, and talking about that, that's a perfect sort of segue into what we got. Let's uh, get started here. So we'll go with the grand final, and we'll have a little bit of a chat about uh, the sort of the season wrap up and uh, what are some of the talking points coming out of this season. But we will start with where it all happened on the weekend, four p.m. at Deakin. Stadium, good turnout as well. Uh, I was there in the crowd watching this one, and uh, much better weather than last year's uh, final for <laughs> memory. And uh, the crowd were just as into it as well. But it was three, uh, sorry, Canberra Olympic four three winners over Belconnen United. Belco had a bright start to the encounter with Kira Bobbin having the best attempt on goal for her side at that point, which was saved by Janet King. And despite the early start, when Olympic got in their groove, they scored three times in the space of 14 minutes. The first goal came in the 21st minute as Maddie Whittle snatched the ball off Maddie Steinacker, laying it off to Gurney, who made a darting run into the box and hit it across goal for the opener. The second came nine minutes later as Kat Perrick um, headed, sorry, uh, as her... Uh, Corner found uh, Vanessa Ryan for the header and her attempt fell in the path of Whittle and a couple of defenders were trying to clear it as well and she buried it in the back of the net. Five minutes later, Olympic got their third as Ali Cook struck a, a nice placed looping free kick over the wall for the far corner, which caught Ellie, Summer, Ellie Summers in a lapse of con concentration as she mistimed her effort to save it. Belconnen crucially got a goal back on the verge of halftime as Talia Backhouse received the ball from a throw-in and struck a shot for the bottom corner from the edge of the box. Janet King let the shot slip under her side in an attempt to save it. On to the second half, Belconnen United got off to a crucial start in that second stanza by scoring the first goal in the opening sixth minutes, courtesy of Riley Ewan, the forward hit. A ball forward and uh, Ali Cook went to control it uh, with the chest. However, Ewan immediately pressed her, retrieved the ball, then made a darting run for the box. Her shot hit off Janet King in the back, sort of off her legs and then in. But you take it nonetheless at that point if you're Belko because you go within one goal of a comeback at this point. Unfortunately for them, though, Olympic dented. The hope of a comeback four minutes later as Vanessa Ryan scored the fourth, a neat combination play between Whittle and Gurney before the latter squared it off for Ryan, who superbly turned her marker before burying it in the back of the net. Really good goal here from Vanessa Ryan. Belko fought hard uh, and did not give up despite the commanding lead that uh, Olympic Reed took in this one. They had a couple of chances on goal. However, it was not meant to be for them on the day. Two minutes into stoppage time, Bessie Reefmuller, though, hit a stunning strike for the top corner from the edge of the box to make it 4-3. But by the 92nd minute, it was too little, too late for Belconnen as full time was soon to approach. And their grand final um, drought uh, will continue another year. And uh, the only reason I know drought four years isn't really too much of <laughs> a drought, Jeremy, but for a club like Belconnen United in the women's division, uh, it is a little bit of one. In saying that, though, it definitely doesn't take away from their season, does it? No, absolutely. It was a, it was a great season for for Belconen. I think last year we said several times that they felt like there was a little bit ahead of the curve in in their transition development, their, their new sort of story under Scott Conlon's management. Uh, this season, there were there were proper expectations on that group. That is still a young group. Um, you know, if you if you remove a, a Talia back 
cars from the team. It's uh, it's almost you know only teenagers. Kira Bobin maybe is also a bit more experienced. Uh, but but so it's always hard to build uh, on, with a team like this, and they've done that superbly. You know, you have expectations, you have the results, and and then. You have a couple of heartbreaking moments in that season, the loss against Canberra United, um, of course, not being able to beat Olympic when it matters most. Uh, and then you go through the grand final by beating him in qualifying final, excuse me, and then you get punished in that grand final. So I think it was another, you know, another few steps in that learning curve that Belkonen is going through, but they had a fantastic season. It's just, you know, sometimes it's not meant to be. And uh, it's, a, it's a story of inches. It's a story of seconds. Uh, you know, it's a story of a shot that can be a bit more on the side. And then it's another story uh, in a game like this. So uh, plenty, plenty of positive. The girls were, you know, understandably upset on, on Saturday, but they can definitely uh, go into that off season with their heads um, held high. They certainly can. And in terms of Olympic, uh, obviously after chasing, you know, the one that eluded them in the league title, they back it up with a second grand final win in a row. And this is for a club where before last year, they hadn't won a title. Now in the space of a year or a year and a half, whatever it's been, they've won, what, four or five? Everything everything except the, the Charity Shield, which I'm sure is not uh, the most important title for any coach at uh, that, that last preseason game. Uh, but yeah, like like kudos to what Nicole Beck does and, and to all her team, really. What a... What a collective performance it's been all season. You know, it's uh, we might not say it enough, but you lose a player like Ash Sykes. Um, you know, it's a huge, huge boots to field for anybody who's going to play up front uh, instead of her. And and you know, even though she would say that she didn't have the importance last year that um, she would have had in in previous years, she's still you know racked up was it 15 goals or something like that for Olympics. So you lose those 15 goals, you lose a talented player like Meg Roden as well, and and you have to try and build. Besides that, in the middle of the season where we had the World Cup, where there were injuries, um, and I think they did superbly well. You know, it's uh, it, on on Belkonen United, you had all that youth that's slowly building up. In Olympic, you have players with more experience. And, you know, somehow you can say the experience is, is a great advantage, but the experience, as we know, in our football uh, at our level uh, comes with some challenges. You know, it, it was great to see uh, Maddie Whittle celebrating with her child uh, when she got the, the player of the match. But what it says is that, you know, she's got... Uh, you know, two two full time jobs um, the the rest of the year, and yet she still uh, shows up every every weekend to play football, and that's what happens in 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 an experienced team like this. You know, they they are not students who have time to play football. They have jobs, and they still um, show up. And I think that that is another layer to uh, the the great story that is happening at Olympic this season. If you if you take off, you know, Madison Kesha and and a few players on the bench, everybody um, is a bit more seasoned in in our um, competition. Yet uh, has an excellent level. Um, you know, you got players like Kat Peric with a wealth of experience who's just who've just shown up day in day out and and helped players like LK Aitolu get to their level. Uh, you know, you got players like Ali Cook or Jasmine Zabel, uh, who at one point maybe felt like they were out of the first team and then fought hard to get back in it and and to deserve their spot in in a grand final. So I think it's it's such a great story of of a group that works well, of a group that works as a group. You know, the individualities are great, but they're only as great as they are when they work together. We've seen you know, the amount of work that a Maddie Whittle or Liv Gurney or Nicole Jaloka does into a game like the grand final, always harassing, always, you know, working hard and, and making sure that they press uh, every single ball. And, and that pays off, Um, you know, the, the recklessness of their attacks on, on Saturday was, uh, was obviously what they missed during the qualifying final. They rectified that well uh, and they really punished um, Belkoran every time they were doing half a mistake. So it's also, it's also, it talks to that, talented experience that they have. It certainly does. And congratulations again to Canberra Olympic on another grand final victory. Now, in terms of our, uh, just to wrap up the MPL uh, W season, uh, Jeremy, we'll just go through a couple of talking points before we wrap up. Uh, let's start with State League Women's Wagga City Wanderers, of course, uh, relegated last season from the MPL uh, W won the State League One women's and if it hasn't been officially confirmed, but if all follows the plan, they will be promoted back to MPLW next season. Uh, what do you make of their uh, 
come back if obviously this happens. Yeah, I was trying to figure out why mm. and how those promotional relegation mm. works, but, but but apparently, from what I understand, it's mm. basically up to them. So hopefully, uh, they're keen to uh, to take on the challenge and to come and play in WNPL. We know it comes with some challenges when a team from the Riverina comes up. But, uh, you know, I was saying that on commentary on Sunday when we were talking about uh, Lisa Carey, you know, when I started commentating with uh, Capital Football in 2020, uh, they were there, the Wagasity Wanderers, and they were just off a fantastic season in under-17, under Sam Gray with the talents that we know, you know, the Careys and Nicholson and uh, Megan Castle, who's now uh, up in up in Scotland. Uh, and they're just a lot of talent in that, in that Riverina region. And um, a lot of them play for Wagasity Wanderers. So seeing that talent coming into uh, the capital can only be positive. You know, a few of those players have have gone from uh, the Wagasichi two teams in the capital. I, I forgot to mention, but of course, um, you know, Jade, Sami and, and Brooke Ems uh, are there too. And, and the fact that those players don't have to change club to play in NPL is also uh, a big positive because they have played together in state league all season and now they're going to have a chance to show it uh, at the NPL level. We've seen how well it worked for the ANU. No doubt it's going to work um, great for Waga as well. And, you know, it's also good for all the teams in the capital to have a bit of a, a three-hour trip here and there or six hours round trip even here and there to go in and visit a bit of the countryside. Yeah, and uh, getting back the hard way as well, winning that state league. Uh, congrats to Wagga and winning that and we'll see if that promotion goes through or not and on the flip side if that does that does mean that West Canberra Wanderers will be relegated if that's the case so uh if that happens Jeremy what's your thoughts on this West Canberra Wanderers mind you a team that was in the top four last season yeah I think it's a it's a sad state of affair but but I feel like it talks to the um, the talent in that competition this season and, and the amount of teams uh, that were that good. I mean, the top four was tight until the very end. And then you had Cameron United Academy who sort of were able to have results consistently. And then the the, the bad three, um, Turgrenong, ANU and, and West Camera Wanderers, they were just sort of like playing up who's going to finish eight, seven, and six all season. And unfortunately ended up being West Canberra, despite winning, you know, the the, champ- the league champions and the grand final champions, uh, Canberra Olympic at some point. So it's a shame because there's so, so much talent in that team, in that staff, uh, you know, and it's a club that does very well uh, at every level in, in women's football. And unfortunately this year, uh, in the first team, he just didn't materialize the way they wanted it to materialize. It's often a story of, you know, a couple of positions or, you know, players not being available for the whole season. Uh, so so it's a shame. But, but you know, if they do get relegated, um, you know, the, it'd be very interesting to see uh, where some of their top talent land. You know, the, the Alice Jensen's and and Lauren Hall and Cara Ceruti, uh, Cole Wheel. There's, there's talent everywhere in that team. So, uh, you know, if, if a team like this was staying the way they are and going to State League, you'd think that they'll probably have the talent to finish first straight away. So whether they do this and stick together and try and come back together or whether they end up changing clubs, I think I'll, I'll be very keen to follow uh, all of those players. It will be interesting to see what happens there. Now, just in that conclusion, Jeremy, uh, what are your big takeaways from the season that we haven't mentioned yet? I think yeah, we've mentioned it, but I think the talent uh, in that in the capital this season and the performances for each club. I was talking about this with with Andrew Woodman, who was with me on commentary for the Reserves Grand Final this weekend, and uh, it looked at some point that each team had the number of another team. Like Olympic was doing very well against um Croatia, and then Gangali knew what to do against uh, Belco. Uh, Belco knew what to do against Olympic, and so he ended up being uh, some sort of a circle where every team was getting points uh, where it mattered. But what what it says basically was that all the team were just full of talent. You know, we talked several times about the depth at Gungalin, uh, a depth that seemed to lack at Canberra Croatia, yet the youngsters did very well uh, to step up their, their game and show what they could do. Canberra Academy, I think, uh, was one of the very good surprises this season. Uh, this young group doing very well against the, the more experienced side. Uh, and of course, you know, the ANU, the newcomer, um, even though they didn't get a lot of positive results, just the way they played, um, showed what they brought to the competition. So I think the main takeaway was that we've seen uh, the level of the competition rising really high. Uh, you know, you didn't have a couple of teams that um, sort of without with all due respect you know didn't belong in that competition because on on any day if it was any 
any team could beat another one. So that, that I think that's the main takeaway. We've really seen the growth of, of the game in the capital and, you know, it, it feels like it's only going to get better when you see that the, the youngsters at West Canberra um, are going to the grand final in other, in younger divisions. It shows that there is a talent pool that grows in every single club. Uh, I, I, besides that, you know, I think it was good to see uh, again, like every year, the amount of great goalkeepers that there is in uh, in the capital. Of course, we had Emily uh, Kelly who came from uh, the US. We had Janet King who keeps improving year in year out. You know, it's, uh, I think it's important to remember that it's a player that was at the Monaro Panthers in 2020 and not the necessarily the starting goalkeeper and then from there she did good at West Canberra and now she's shining at Canberra Olympic and she definitely uh, deserves her laurels and then on, besides that of course uh, Chloe Lincoln uh, A-League um, Liberty A-League goalkeeper young junior Matilda goalkeeper um, with us in Canberra Croatia D- this is you know such a niche position and having so many great goalkeeper in our competition is something that deserves the highlight uh, all, all we, are, we are lacking really and I'm sure she won't mind if we do but it's just a, another striker to challenge a little bit Brittany Palombi to try and and see if she uh, she's going to get for a fourth consecutive golden boot or if she's going to let somebody else shine next season that certainly is the question there uh, that's us that's it for us uh, for this segment of the show Jeremy any last words before we head off anything to plug as well, before we head into the uh, into the uh, the end of the season, and I think I saw. Just let me double check, so I'm not making a fool of myself. But Marseille did not get a very good result what? this morning. <laughs> oh, is that what a way to finish? Reminded me that Marseille lost four zero this morning. Very good, man. What a great host you are. <laughs> um, I, look, look, I just want to thank you and uh, and Michael for uh, for all you guys have been doing um, this season again, and and for having me on the show uh, as often as possible. I really appreciate that um you know thank you to all the coaches and the players and and everybody mm. who's helping on the sideline the camera crew and and everybody who's very very kindly answering to me when i'm like oh what's the last change and who's the number and excuse me ref can you please spell your name for me because i'm french so uh really thank you to everybody who's helped during the whole season it was a fantastic season uh and uh, and i'm and i'm glad i could be part of it and i'm glad i could be part of the hundreds show man that's that's very good uh thanks and, and congratulations to you and everybody Thank you. Thanks again for all your contribution as well uh, to the show. And also, Stefan Mubers as well. Shout out to him. We sure. forgot to mention him there and all that. Uh, thank thank you for all your uh, contributions to the show as well. Thank you so much, everybody. That's our MPLW segment. We'll now move on to our CPL segment of episode 100, where we are joined by Chris Webby. Webby, how are we going today? Obviously, uh, rocking the uh, Newcastle United jersey there, loud and proud. How Three jerseys going? in the back. Yeah. Oh, there, oh yeah, there's two jerseys in the back. I didn't realize. Um, yeah, really good. Really, really good. Yeah. 8-0. What a great way to get up this morning. Um, and look, huge congratulations to you guys. Uh, 100 episodes. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, rocky start in terms of the COVID and the yeah. world that we were living in. We didn't even know if the world would exist a hundred episodes and far, but yeah, to keep going with it, it's been fantastic. Thank you, Webby. Yeah, no, thanks, Webby, for the very kind words uh, on us reaching a hundred episodes. Matt, do you want to get into the breakdown of this match uh, in the CPL Grand Final for twenty twenty three? Yeah, look, it was a wonderful occasion. Beautiful day for football as well at the Riverside, the newly renovated Riverside as well. It hosted quite a few finals games. Now it hosted a grand final. Uh, it was pretty much packed as well. Uh, all the uh, the the new sort of the steps there, everyone was sitting on the steps and then all the new stands and all uh, with the Queanbeyan fans on the left as soon as you walk in and then all the Ugali fans were on the right. Um, both sets of fans were nice and loud and uh, cheering and whatnot. So it was really good to see. And it was a great way to cap off uh, a great weekend of uh, finals football with this CPL grand final. 21, I forgot to mention what the uh, score was. I was too busy setting the scene there. It was Ugali 3-0 victors over Queanbeyan City on the day. 21 minutes into the first stanza, Ugali struck first. Darren Bailey whipped in a corner kick for the far post to Isaac Donadell, who leaped highest to square it back 
uh, in goals via a header for Joe Priest, who also got a final header and for that first goal. Nico Abbott had Queenie's best chance of the first half, saved by the Ugali skipper Michael DePaoli. Not long after their opener, Joe Priest came close to scoring a brace before the halftime in- interval as his attempt around Middleton hit the post. Now onto the second half. Ugali doubled their advantage nine minutes into that second half as Joe Priest struck a shot, which Middleton saved. However, palmed it off into the path for Priest, who squared it back for Mason Donadell for the goal. Middleton once again uh, was at the ready for the rest of the encounter as he saved attempts from Josh DeRossi and Joe Priest. Despite their efforts, there was no stopping Ugali gaining another goal. And a hand on the trophy in the process three minutes before time. Joe Priest received the ball out wide with loads of space for him to make a beeline for the Queanbeyan goal mouth uh, with no one able to catch him. When it looked like he was going to hit it for the far post, when he was one-on-one with Middleton, he neatly tucked it in at the near post between the keeper in the uh, beating the keeper on his side in the process. You have to say on the day, it was a deserved victory for Ugali. Queenie were just not able to take a grasp of the game uh, as Ugali made it very difficult for Queenbian. Webby, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, like I said there, Ugali deserved winners in the end. Yeah, look, huge congratulations to Ugali. Um, I think on the balance, they were the better team. Um, definitely controlled possession both halves. Most of the game was definitely played in their attacking half. In the first half, Queenbeam looked quite dangerous on the break. Um, you know, there were a few chances in there that they could have put away. Um, Giampaolo looked, looked really good. He was kind of floating out onto that left and picking up balls and he was kind of slotting a few passes. Gabby Ayol was making runs past him and and he put a he put a nice I think that I can remember one a really nice floating ball over the top that to Nico Abbott that I think he should have done a, a better with. He he ended up getting a pretty good contact and blasting it over the bar. But you know there were always those warning signs from Queanbeyan, but really Ugali looked in control and um, you know just the pressure to to win them a corner. And, and and to you know capitalize on that corner, Joe Priest was just he's a man possessed at the moment. Um, just the last you know that whole final series, and yeah, look, a great goal then. And then from I think once they were one 0 up, it just I just couldn't see Queenbeam really getting back into it, even at one at one goal. And then uh, that second goal really you know it was that pressure from uh, Mason Donadell. There was a a square pass from the centre-backs um, at Queenbeam, and he just pressured it in, got a little toe in. Uh, Joe Priest kind of went through, shot it, saved, fell back to Donadell, and he smacked it in. And great finish too. And I think that that was it. Game game over then. I really couldn't see Queenbeam coming back into it. And as you said, I loved that finish at the end. 99% of the people would, you know, the way they're coming in, a right footer off that left wing, edge of the box, that whole uh, right top corner is open and then instead just slots it near post. Um, you know, I was waiting for that big Coutinho curler around instead. Would have taken me completely by surprise. So, your know, fantastic performance from Ugali and look, well-deserved. They were the, the best team all year. So, sometimes it's really good to see the league champions also come away with the grand final win as well. Yeah, again, congratulations to Ugali. They, not only with that grand final win, obviously winning the league, like you said, Webby, they will be there battling it out with the big boys on the occasions next year. They'll be travelling to Solomad and uh, Ugali to all the big places in Canberra as well. Uh, Webby, just a couple of questions for you for the season wrap-up. We'll uh, send it to Michael now, but... um, uh, it'll sort of follow that theme on teams from EPL, uh, sorry, MPL coming down. Michael? Yeah. So, Webby, obviously we've got West Canberra Wanderers. Uh, they'll be playing in the CPL next season, I guess. Just how do you, do you think they're going to fare after being relegated from NPL 
football this season and they've obviously announced uh, their new coach in Bernie too. So how do you think they're going to fare in their first season in CPL having been relegated? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. Um, I guess you've got to just look at there's been two case studies previously and they kind of did things a little bit differently and not necessarily by choice. Um, Tuggeranong, you know, Tuggeranong finished, I, I, I can't remember, but off the top of my head, they only finished with less than a handful of points. So some a similar season to West Canberra this year, um, but straight off the bat and look it was a it was because it was a covid year and it was all about the point you know they never even finished the season but there was a points per game and they got relegated so there was a little bit of time in between not knowing what happened and during that period mitch stevens was so pragmatic at going out and shoring up all the players that he wanted to keep and and convincing them to stay and rally and help the club get back up. And so he did a really fantastic recruitment drive really early at the, you know, because of COVID season hadn't even really finished yet and kind of rallied him up and he kept that stability. Now he added a fantastic player in Walker, which was, you know, absolute, the greatest luck that could ever have happened to Mitch. And he'd probably admit that. And then, boom, you saw what they did. They absolutely demolished the league in that kind of first half of the season. Um, and that was just enough that what they did in the first half of the season was enough to carry them through. Belconnen, on the other hand, starting from a much higher base, to be honest, than Tuggeranong, but they changed the coach. A lot of players left. A lot of the younger players left. They kind of convinced some of the older guys, lost a lot of their 23s brought up some guys from 18. So it had a lot more disruption. Even with probably a good half core of their team, you saw what happened. Didn't even make the top four. So it really going to depend on what they do in terms of player retention and also whether they can pick up those two or three kind of key players as well. So, you know, it, it will be very interesting to see what happens. And I, look, I think that that's kind of the mold because you can see if Queanbeyan keep a very similar side together, they're going to be extremely strong next year. You always imagine ANU is going to be strong. I could even imagine Belconnen kind of pushing a little bit harder and strengthening again next year. And, you know, there's some rumours out there about the coaching change. And so... Uh, it's already been announced. Uh, yeah. Steve Forshaw will be, won't be at uh, Belconnen uh, next season. Um, so, look, you know, it, they're... Some of the other teams that are currently there are probably going to strengthen. So even that makes it even a little bit harder for West Canberra. So it looks going to be very interesting. Yeah, it certainly will be interesting. I'm keen to see how CPL will definitely play out next season. But Webby, just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on State League One this season. You, of course, had a first-hand glance in that competition. Do you just want to quickly share your overall thoughts on the season? in review for the State League One competition? Yeah, look, State League One was um, a really fantastic competition. Um, <clears throat> I doubled. I had a team and that we went down to State League One about six years ago, and we won the league in a canter. I think we won 15 straight matches and won the league. Um, coming back down again like seven years later, it is exponentially stronger. It, it was a really, really solid quality competition you know for example guys might know um bell north had an extremely strong team they've got about six or seven gunners uh, well sorry um so boomerangs futsal players in their team futsal ruse in there lots of ex mpl players um ex you know mpl team of the year players like um nick rathjen and um mikey ronaldo and some really top quality players and they ended up sixth in the competition when it you know just shows how strong it was um so uh look really really top quality the top seven clubs were were really good and it was a really good fight in there two western teams did quite well the two anu teams were very very strong and uh university canberra also had quite a strong team in there but um western uh 
won the league. Um, they and it, surprising. Well, they they're a very very strong Western side, full of ex um, MPL players. Um, a lot of a lot of known names in there. Probably on the wrong side of thirty five, but they yeah. actually won with such a lead. It was actually quite surprising, given what I said, how strong the rest of the competition was. But it showed just how amazingly consistent they were. They weren't blowing teams away, but they were just winning every game, every game, win, win, win. Um, they and so they won the league and and they backed it up and won the grand final. Uh, Pretty, pretty good quality grand final against one of the ANU sides. So they won the competition um, and had the opportunity for promotion. So I'm not quite sure where there's where that's at, but I would say, look, I'd be surprised if if they end up retaking that, seeing as you know we dropped out of CPL last year on our own accord. So I'm not sure if things in the environment at Western have changed enough to push for a promotion spot. So, yeah, um, I think Gungal and Juventus will be preying on on that not happening, but we'll see uh, we'll, when that gets pushed and announced. But, look, it was a really, really strong competition and um, kind of excited to, to do it again next year. I thought, uh, I'm not sure what it'll be like, but it was actually very, very good. So, yeah, it was, it was good quality. Yeah, no, it certainly was, and it will be interesting to see what happens with that situation there with Canberra Ventus. Obviously, they finished at the bottom of the CPL standings. And Webby, I guess before we let you go, what were, just shifting back to CPL now, what were your, some of your biggest takeaways from the CPL competition uh, this season? Oh, look, I've probably harped on about it a fair bit. You know, <clears throat> the surprise that Belconnen um, didn't even not didn't challenge for the title, but didn't even make the top four. Like I said, seeing them in preseason in the, the uh, cup games, they were just electric in those cup games, and you know they knocked off uh, Queenbian and and they knocked off Brindabella, and they looked they looked really really strong. And I thought, ah. Oh, these guys look in that kind of similar vein to how Tuggeranong started that season, but it just didn't click for them. On the other side, you know, Yugali were very slow out of the box, so I kind of, you know, had almost slightly written them off very early in the season and then just how amazingly um, consistent they were. ANU, look, I think I'll be a very harsh critic, I think quite disappointing, um, again, just because they have... I set such high standards. To me, they're an MPL quality side, but they just didn't click for them this year. And, you know, they just kind of scraped into, you know, even last year, we are probably kind of kind of saying that they probably had a disappointing year under Talau. Well, they, their results were probably even slightly worse this year. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I could see a few of their kind of elder statesmen who have been, you know, key to their success over a long time, possibly retiring. I'd be very interested to see if, if a few of them go around again next year. Um, you know, Wagga was an interesting one where they were probably surprisingly good at the very start, but then quite disappointing to drop off so much. Brenda Bella, again, we were um, nothing out of the ordinary. They're, they're kind of a little bit slow to start and then just pick up the pace at the end. And they were probably a little bit unlucky. They just left that their race a little bit too late. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It'll be interesting to see what White Eagles do next year. I think we talked about at the start of the year. They lost so many players last year. I was never really expecting too much from White Eagles. I didn't probably didn't expect them to be in a huge relegation battle for majority of the season. But it'll be very interesting to see what they do to try and rebound and get back to their former glory. So, look, um, lots and lots of interesting stuff. In the end, I think the best team won the league, the best team won the grand final. You know, just looking at that team and especially the game against ANU, that, their final against ANU, I kind of think that front four of, and again, if they can keep them all together, um, you know, if, if Bailey and Priest and DeRossi and Mason Donadell, that front four is, is MPL quality. Definitely, definitely MPL quality top four. 
um, you know, how the midfield and, and the, the back line fare. Look, they're not, they're no slouches, but it is definitely a, big, a much bigger step up into NPL. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But um, if they can kind of shore up at the back, that front four can cause a lot of damage. And I think a lot of uh, NPL teams are quietly concerned about Ugali coming in, not only the travel that they have to do, but they just know, look, the amount of passion that team has and, um, you know, some of the individual quality in there, they could be very dangerous. No, they certainly will be very dangerous uh, customers to MPL football next season. I think, yeah, a lot of those teams in MPL are going to be sort of looking over their shoulder because Ugali, they were absolutely sensational this season, despite the slow start, like you mentioned, Webby, but they just managed to turn that sort of inconsistent form at the start of the year into good performances and winning football matches, and it resulted them getting promoted to MPL and obviously winning the CPL grand final as well. So a great season for Ugali, but Webby, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts on the CPL grand final for 2023 and ultimately sharing your thoughts on the season as a whole as well. It's always a pleasure having you on the show and thanks for coming on. Do you have any sort of last words uh, before we, before we let you go today? Oh, no, look, just congratulations to Yagali on a fantastic season. Congratulations to you both for a hundred episodes and congratulations to Newcastle for a fantastic game this morning. So, <laughs> Yeah, had to get that one in there. Had to get that one in. Let's not mention their abysmal performance against Milan in the Champions League, shall we? Look, solid performance. <laughs> point away. It's, it's, a solid point. it's a solid point away from home. You take no. it. Man, I was hoping to see five goals for Isaac when I saw that scoreline this morning to help my EPL fantasy oh, team, but just one. Just the one. Eight different goal scorers. So it's a team team game. First, first time in history, I think, in the Premier League. Eight wow. goals for scored and eight, eight different goal scorers. So there you go. Remarkable. Yeah, that's it. Michael, any last words from you before we head off? No, I mean, look, I've we've talked about it at different stages of this episode, but you know, it's been a great a great show. And like I was saying about CPL this season, we all had sort of, I guess, different expectations of what we thought was going to happen in terms of who we thought was going to get promoted, who was going to get relegated, and whatnot. And I think this season just proved so many different storylines playing out and. Obviously, we touched on the fact that, you know, Belconnen United didn't come down to CPL and, I guess, put the performances in that we've expected them straight away. But, I mean, it, it was just a f fascinating season in general for CPL football and hopefully that continues into next season. Just one interesting fact, I've totally forgot that uh, Yagali's eternal rivals, Harnwood, actually played in the Wagga Grand Final at the same time yesterday and also won. So, uh, yeah, pretty good stuff coming out of Griffith. Big day for them. Yeah, I was watching um, the final with a mate of mine. Uh, shout out to Nick uh, Bellato. He's from Griffith as well, and he was... Just like, is this the first time Ugali and Tan would have ever won, you know, a grand final on the same day? Um, obviously, they're rivals, to say the least. Would you say you would know more about it than me, Webby? But uh, Griffith football, well represented on yeah, that uh, on that grand final day. Good goal as well. I think Nick sent me the goal. It was a really good run for that one as well. I'm not sure if you saw that, Webby. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Because it was live on Bar TV. Yeah. Certainly was. And uh, that's it for episode 100. Again, thank you so much to everyone for joining us and listening over the last four years. Thank you to Webby, uh, Jeremy, Russ uh, as well, Matty Moore, all the coaches, all the players that have uh, joined us for either an interview, audio, video, 
whatever it may be, the CPL and the execs and some of the presidents I've talked to and helped us with not just this, but commentary as well. And uh, obviously everyone in the CPL coaches and staff that have sent me all the goals and whatnot, because obviously very difficult to call when there's no constant footage, as I mentioned at the start of the show. So thanks so much, everybody, uh, for making this show a success. And uh, that's episode 100, and that's a wrap for the season. What a great way to end the season. Now everyone can enjoy a good, good break. Uh, enjoy the nice weather. Enjoy the European football. And uh, most importantly, thank you, everybody, and enjoy the summer. <laughs>